Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. After listening to several presentations on the near future of the industry, Lucas and I came to the stark realization that we, as an industry, are completely screwed. Joining us in this meltdown towards complete despair is automotive diagnostics and training specialist, Hawk and Light. We recorded this live at ETI Tooltech 2022 in Coronado Island, California, so a sincere thank you for having us goes to Julie Sweet from ETI who put on a hell of a show. Before we get started with this conversation, make sure you have a set to automatically download the latest episode and make sure you check out our content on YouTube. And now, here we go. What's up, everybody? Hawking, right? Yep. That's Hawking. how you say it. Yep. Because, like, I, I, you know, I've called you five or six different things since we've been here. <laughs> um, we're live at ETI. I Tool call him Lucas. <laughs> I do. Put the accent over the A and uh-huh. then extend out the S. Lucas. <laughs> anyway, so this is your first time attending something like this, right? This kind of event specifically, yeah. Um, cool. I did go to Vision, but that's different than this, I guess. Right. Um, it really so, yeah. is. It's Quite not, a bit different. Yeah, it's not <laughs> at all the same thing. No, definitely not. There's some really interesting topics here, right? I would say so. Yeah, right. definitely. I wonder why those, these topics don't get out to the shop owners. Why do you think so? Why, why do you think they don't get them? Just, unless you're here... You don't hear any of this stuff. I hear there may be some exciting news about that. Maybe there will be. But what I'm saying up to this point, because some of these presentations sound like they should be for shop owners. I agree. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Or high-end technicians as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I agree. 
And, and here's the thing is this is all information that folks really need. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like there has been some really heavy hitting information. And, you know, we've posted some of it here and there and, and we've gotten comments back and forth on it. And A, it creates a dialogue. It's not like that information is 100%. This is what's going to happen. You know, I think for me, probably the coolest thing that's happened yet, we were in the we were in their presentation with the OEM panel earlier. Oh, sure. Yes. And all three of the OEMs on stage said we have zero interest. And it was Honda, Toyota. And GM. Yeah. And GM. And they all three said we have zero interest of locking anyone out. We have zero interest in making this difficult. We want to make this as easy as possible. We've got things we've got to follow. We've got to we've got to fit into a certain mold, but we have no interest in keeping you from working on the car. Our goal is for you to work on the car. That was really cool because and encouraging it is because sometimes you wonder like we're we're all technicians. We've worked on the cars. We get it. You see what Mercedes is doing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and who fear would, that the others might do the same. Who was it we talked to last night? When. Yeah, I suppose more specifically, we, right? We talked to another manufacturer last night, and he shared some different perspectives. Thomas Hyundai. Yeah. He shared some different perspectives. Well, they said, uh, we have no interest in connecting with the aftermarket. Screw those guys. He did not say that. I actually would believe that, because aren't they pretty strongly pursuing <laughs> a gateway principle? I thought I heard that. I, I mean, I'm not already, up. That, that's already done. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe it's already a done deal. It's already a done deal. He didn't say it like that. It was more... That's not a priority for them at all in any way, shape, or form. They just, it's not, it doesn't matter to them. What, what I took away from it was, is it wasn't that it wasn't a priority. It was that there's a lot of pieces and a lot of stuff moving that make it difficult to make it a priority. That's what I took away from what he said. No. He said it's not a priority, although that's why he's here. Right. He, he is the individual, as an individual, saw the need for it and said, we need to make this a priority. It's important. So let's go out there and see what it looks like. And he did mention that to make it a reality, there's a thousand moving pieces that all have to come together right. for, it to, yeah. to, for it to work. But, you know, they're at least interested in considering the possibility that they might open things up for us. You know, what I thought was really interesting and and this happened just before we came in here to record. That was that George Lesniak posted on the ASOG Facebook page or on the, the podcast Facebook page and said, well, yeah, you know, we're talking about EVs. My biggest concern is, is they're not mandated to give you the data or the access to the EV, right? Whereas with, with internal combustion engine vehicles, they are. So I thought that was a really interesting comment because we've heard a lot. You know, some tool manufacturers say, hey, there's companies who are mm, obtaining data from a less than honest or ethical way. And then there's companies who are trying to do it the right way. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And so You're all over the place. What <laughs> direction? Are we talking about Hyundai here? No, I'm talking about the fact that, that George made that post after we I, I posted. I mean, I can see his concern. Is he here? I, he's I always so. here. He's usually here. Okay. Sure I wasn't sure if I had I spotted him. him. I don't think I've seen him. We, I mean, I've seen a, Hotel very, people. Like, but. He's a tall, large, imposing figure. It is difficult to uh, to not notice, George. You're usually hiding in a room closet somewhere, though. But I know, but he, he's like, you know, he's noticeable. Like You can tell. He's 
very tall. So where are you going with this? I mean, you're all over like the he's place. There. Like, no, I'm talking about George Lesniak. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. <laughs> I'm just saying, you're all over the place. Look, no. I, I think Hyundai, Hyundai is eventually going to get to the point where they've captured enough market share. I swear, you open that thing, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> There's no way to cut that out. That sound is there forever. And so if you go back to listen to the last several episodes that we recorded at Vision, you can hear every single time Lucas pops open. Let me it be, wasn't just got to dump them all on the table beforehand. What, that's a good <laughs> idea. Get your little <laughs> just cup. get a big pile or a cup. Hawking, let me be real with you. There's only so much. Did he say that right? Did he? Yes, he did. There's <laughs> only so long you can take this man. <laughs> Before you just start to develop nervous tics, okay? <laughs> that is not a nervous tic. And he starts opening his mouth, and you get nervous, and you're just like, oh, I got to do something here. <laughs> you need a stress ball. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Eventually, tires. Hyundai. Oh, let's talk about the tires. Yeah. Eventually, Hyundai is going to capture enough of a market share that their dealerships are not going to be able mm-hmm. to deal with it. It's great that they're swapping engines all day, but now it's going to be <laughs> yeah. swapping battery packs all day. They just rolled out this new EV. It looks good. Mm-hmm. Looks like a cool car. Yeah. But what are they going to do after the fact? People are not going to want to buy their vehicles if they can't get into the dealership. Nobody's going to be willing to work on them. Everybody's telling them, hey, that's great that you bought a Hyundai. I, I don't have any access to the information. Well, yeah. I mean, you see that now even with European already. There's a large number of European shops I've visited when I was working for Garage Gurus, but also just, you know, interfaced with that don't bother with Mercedes because of the cost of the tooling and because of the cost of the subscription. And there's right. so much that seems to happen with Mercedes where they turn things on, they turn things off, they keep trying to restrict access. People just say, nope, I'm good. I don't need to deal with that. I can work on BMWs, Audis, and Volkswagens all day and be plenty busy. And they're right. You can. Um, so I wonder if Hyundai is going to, if they don't decide to the get The difference, though, is that they don't have the the brand cachet that, oh, sure. that Mercedes. Sure, absolutely. People are still going to buy a Mercedes. Yeah. 
Not so much a sprinter, like you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'd be fooled. What's that? You'd be a fool by one. Well, I'm saying that. So I can see them losing market share from the sprinter side, but not so much the Mercedes Benz side. People sure. are still going to want to buy them. Where I don't think Hyundai and Kia have that. No, they don't. They're trying to do that with Genesis, but. Yeah, but that's, that's another factor. Now they're trying to get into, into the luxury game, which is fine, whatever. But it's going to be the same thing. It's like, it's great that I'm going to go buy this $100,000 Hyundai, but if it never, if it ever needs service, I have to take it to a specific Hyundai dealership. I, I can't, and until they have their standalone Genesis, you know, yeah, and they don't right now, do they? They don't, yeah. So you have to buy it from a specialty dealership. But eventually they're going to get to the point where they have their own standalone buildings and there's one in a thousand mile radius. How many of those vehicles are they going to sell? Now it becomes more of a challenge as opposed to embracing the aftermarket and saying we're going to open everything up to everybody. We're going to give you access so you can service these vehicles properly. We're going to make it cheap, affordable. We're going to send out the training. We want everybody working on these things so people are more willing to buy them. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. Totally. What do you think? You don't want to talk about Hyundai anymore? No, that makes sense. And and what did they say this morning? What did the other dealers say this morning or the other OEs say this morning? They said that. If you you don't want to work on our cars, people don't buy our cars. And, And, you know, interestingly enough, it seems like maybe there's a touch of rift between the manufacturer and the dealers even. Right. It may, oh, I agree. Maybe we're not all on the same page. Like, you know, shop owners, we tend to look at, at OE manufacturers and OE dealers as if they're one. But right. it seems like maybe that's not exactly the way the dealers perceive it and the way that we perceive it. Right. So it, it's interesting. Should we mention tires in the live stream or should we turn the live stream off before we mention tires? Make them listen to the podcast later. Make them listen to connected tires. That's I think that's, crazy. That's, uh, that's that was a, interesting. That's very interesting. All right, I think, guys. Do you think everybody is going to eventually push towards becoming data companies? Because that, that's what Goodyear stood up there and said. Yeah, they're, like, they're we trying to become to, a data company. Oh, it's 100%. Like, make tires. <laughs> no, no, no. We are in the data acquisition and analytics game now. We're IBM, but we also sell tires. Well, that's the hot thing, right? Everybody wants to be a SAAS, software as a service. That's... Data and analytics and software as a service is the the new hot revenue stream that everybody wants a piece of. Where have we ever seen anything like this before, though? I'm trying to think. What was a fad that absolutely every company tried to get into before? It's a good question. I, I'm sure there's lots of things, but unless you were, you no, know, I think in the past everybody has focused in on their core like product, niche, their yeah, what they what were they really do good well, at. yeah. And if it was a natural transition into, well, we, we make X product, Y is a very natural offshoot. It is hard to justify becoming a software uh, as a service company yeah. when you sell tires. Yeah, it does seem like a pretty large leap. <laughs> but I could see, I don't, I don't know, it, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe they're banking on traction with the OEMs. Maybe they think the OEMs are going to... Offer it as a standardized feature on fleet vehicles or something. Isn't this what happened with GE? GE was all over the place. So much so that we're losing money on so many things. 
they weren't growing. They just kept buying more companies and more brands and this, that, and the other. And Jack Welch comes in and says, we're not doing this anymore. I mean, he just he shut everything down. And so we're going to focus on these three things because they make us money. And they turn, he turned around doing that that way. I don't know why these companies go, nah, we can do it. We got to dabble in everything. <laughs> we're going to dabble in, I, in software well, as I mean, a service. You know, one of the things that, that Tom Shear, right? Like as, as we're doing the podcast and all the different things that we're doing, Tom comes to me and says, look, you know, you're over here doing all these things and you're talking about investing here and investing there. The podcast is a little bit different, but basically coming back saying like you can. Was it, he knocking the podcast? No, he wasn't. Tom Shear was knocking the podcast. <laughs> you know, he was on a different podcast earlier, right? <laughs> Just a couple weeks ago. What was it? Which one was he on? Danden Brills. Were you talking about that? What's that? Danden Brills. <laughs> um, anyway, 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 they're going <laughs> to have to. If you'd like to hear what we're going to say about Tom Shear, Tom Shear, you should listen to the rest of this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> but we're not going to be live and say it live. I don't need that kind of liability. So, you guys, we're going to record this one. We'll be back here in a little bit. It was on a different podcast. Which podcast? Don't is make there, him is, say it. Oh, come on. Tell me. I want to know. This dude gets so upset. I'm so, I'm so competitive. It is nothing. No. It's okay. It's I, I wish everybody all of the best luck in the whole wide world. But at the same time. You want to win? There, what's that? You want to win? I still want to win. What's and wrong then, with that? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Everybody's like, they get upset. They're like, oh, the shop down the street's not your competitor. We're all friends. And it's like, yeah, I get that. I don't. Wish any harm on it on the guy down the street. His name is Good Deal. He doesn't listen to the podcast. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> but at the same time, um, I want to see more cars than he does. Of course. Oh, the Johnson uh, Johnson County Auto Joko Auto. I can't, I can't remember their name. Google it real quick for me. Johnson <laughs> County Auto. A huge, huge facility. Beautiful building. He's been there. I think five or six years longer than than I've been in business, and he's he's built a like. Uh, oh, that is a, that is a big he, shop. He is he is like one street over from me. I mean, and like I can see his building from mine, and he has lent me some BG product in the past. Super nice people, but at the same time, I wish them all the luck in the whole wide world. See, I just want to see more cars than here's the problem though (laughs) because this isn't how this turns out okay let me let me be really clear because usually what this turns into is david's over here saying man fuck that guy you know what i mean like (laughs) and the next thing you know they're standing in the doorway and david's like oh fuck that guy you know because that's his favorite (laughs) thing to say so he's just like fuck this guy fuck that guy fuck dude if you don't don't stop fucking guys i mean (laughs) you're gonna get a hell of a I, I don't really mean it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Dude, he did it. It's tongue did in it. cheek. And, okay, okay. I understand why you got upset. I'm just saying <laughs> it happened. It happened literally like three times in a row. <laughs> like, screw that guy. And then the guy's there and it's like, hey, guys, how you doing? It's like, oh, how you doing? Uh-huh. <laughs> and not that I would say anything behind their back that I wouldn't say to their face. But at the same time, all I'm saying is. I'm just slightly competitive. Anyway, he was on Town, Town Hall Academy with uh, Carm. And, oh, with Carm. Okay. I figured. Um, uh, who's the other guy he was on with? I don't know. Google it. 
Anyway, I'm just saying he was he was on that. And then he told Lucas, you should stop podcasting. Leave it to the he professionals. Did, he did Le- not. Leave it to the, to the people that are paid to podcast all day. Stop dabbling on these uh, so one stupid of the things side projects you got going. I like the, the fact equipment you got. You guys will do Waste this. Waste the money. I like the fact that you guys do this. And I like the fact that you're not, that you are in the field directly and that you spend time in shops and that you own shops and whatnot. Because I think you do have a different perspective than, with all due respect, Carm. Carm is not, he doesn't own a shop. He doesn't work in a shop. He's not in the environment he, the he, same his, way. His, the only the only pushback I'll, I'll say to that is that his his podcast is, is different. Oh, it is. It's 100% different for sure. For this, this, our podcast is me spewing my idiotic ideas out there and <laughs> Lucas putting out his three ideas and then <laughs> recycling those over and over again. With Carm, I think the one thing that's nice about what he does is he gives you a giant overview. No, don't hit me. Does he, do you hit him a lot? Is he, is he flinching because of that? Did you not hear him cry as he said, no, don't hit me? <laughs> and, and to be clear, I mean, I, I love his podcast. Yeah, I love yeah. what he does. I do too. But he does like, he goes so broad across the field. Oh, you know, he how covers, did we not? Bill Nalu. How, how did we forget Bill Nalu? And Andy There's Pauline? a name. How, how many episodes does Carm have now total? Like what? 2,000, 3,000, yeah. some yeah. insane number. But he does so much across the field as a whole. He gives you such a good overview. And if you want to find a podcast episode on a specific subject, I guarantee you, yeah. you can he's find one. He's got one. Oh, he's, he's got, got one. He facilitates. Yeah. So he that does. was my point. Is he, yes. he tries to find topic matter experts. Yes. And he, he facilitates the conversations. So he connects the dots. Yeah. Well, Which is well, cool. I'm glad, yeah, well, that, I'm glad that there's someone doing pushes, that. pushes, he helps get the dots out there mm-hmm. more than connects them. Because he he does allow Tom Shear to sit down and give his ideas and then Bill Nalo yeah. to, to give his ideas. And, and Tracy's doing a really awesome job. She's got some really cool stuff she's doing with it. And, and dude, it's awesome. I, what Tom was saying to me, though, right, when, when Tom brought all this up is Tom was saying, Look, you're talking about doing all these different things. We're talking about these businesses focusing on on something way outside their wheelhouse. You can be more successful focusing on your one thing and doing your one thing really well. True. Right? We we talked about there's a shop owner, you know the one I'm talking about. They've they've been through <laughs> some financial struggles. They've had stuff going on and they're going to go do this and they're going to go do that. They're going to be EMS, they're going to work on this, they're going to work on that. Instead of really digging down and focusing on what's wrong with the business and fixing the business, right? Well, why are we losing technicians? We, we can't keep people. Well, because you're focused on all these other little things, right? Like this business can be successful, but you've got to focus on it, right? You've got to focus on a, a trajectory or a path with it, or you got to get the hell out. You're making me feel bad. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I, listen. <laughs> You don't need to feel bad because Juan's got things under control. You should probably just walk away at this point. <laughs> I don't need a lot of money. I've tried to sell it to him and everybody else. And then they, <laughs> they run. So he tells me this morning that his wife, or maybe it was yesterday morning, that his yeah. wife is yeah. very frustrated with him because, you know, maybe he's not taking a paycheck and maybe he's not. You know, I don't take a paycheck. Oh, you don't? You don't collect a salary? I, I don't. Oh, okay. At all. His wife is very wealthy. 
She doesn't really need him. Oh. So at this point, he's become dead weight. And so <laughs> the deader the weight becomes. That is not how that went at all. I don't take a salary at all and therefore don't owe any taxes whatsoever. Oh, I promise you owe them something. I do. <laughs> you just. No, you just use the business to write everything off, right? <laughs> don't give away all your secrets. <laughs> no, my, my point is this, though. Is that um, I don't pay myself like a W two employee. That's what it is. So you do distributions then instead of a salary? No, no. 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 You're very into his uncomfort zone. No, I um, do. I, I prefer to generate non-taxable events. That's all. <laughs> I like that phrasing. <laughs> I generate non-taxable events. <laughs> if you get me. In hot water with the IRS too. Just from knowing you, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> I told you, my, you're my backup plan. <laughs> Come and seize all my assets and throw me in jail. You're my first phone call <laughs> or second. I called Dutch first. Yeah, I would call Dutch first. I need to check Dutch <laughs> so he can laugh about it. Bail me out. Help. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> so um, you went to work for Top Don. Mm -hmm. What do you think so far? It's been four weeks, so pretty limited as far as my total experience Are you with the a, company. A, like an employee of yes. Top Dom? I am officially a salaried employee. So you you were doing diagnostic work before, right? So I worked for Garage Gurus doing training and okay. support and also had my own side business, which I still have, um, doing diagnostics and helping shops out and stuff like that. Um, Top Don fully supports allowing me to continue doing that. Um, my role is now training and development, so I do tool development stuff, so I beta test and help them with the building a new tool process, um, recruiting beta testers, collecting feedback, things like that. So I have a real big hand in the process, which is really cool, um, but also the training, so they don't mind if I continue to do my mobile stuff because I can do all of the functions that are related to my job, building training classes and whatnot by doing my mobile stuff. Because how do you collect case studies to do a class or how do you go do an ADOS calibration and then take lots of pictures? Well, you could go do an ADOS calibration. That's the best way is to actually do it. Um, I think it's great also because the trainers that I've had the best experience with from a student perspective are always the ones who are still doing the stuff themselves. Um, the guy, with all due respect to the instructors who just instruct and don't physically do any of the work anymore, I think they will always have a greater challenge in speaking with authority and knowledgeability. Um, I just don't think there's the level of sincerity in it that you get from the guys who are still doing the work and I still agree. actually doing hands-on. The people who do the hands-on have the ability to answer questions that the guys who are just instructors don't. They can't tell you real world stuff on the spot. Not that I can answer every question on the spot. Um, by no means is that real, but, but you were um, listening to, to Dirk's presentation earlier today mm -hmm. and something he said that kind of caught me off guard as an industry. We have always been focused on problem solution, problem 100% solution. And he said, we need to stop that entirely. He's correct. I agree with him. Yep. Well, that, hold on now. That undermines what you just said, though, because if the instructor can come again and be really good as an instructor, I can teach you really well the process of learning, and I know the material well. I just haven't 
embarked on any of it because I'm teaching you theory and operation. That's it. I'm not saying you can't be a good instructor without doing the hands-on. I just think that there there are a large number of instructors, and I'm I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here, but some we, of the instructors throwing people under the <laughs> I, bus. I could do that. I'm not I'm not going to be spiteful here, but um, I can say some of the instructors that I've personally dealt with. Yeah, their 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 lack of experiences, and maybe it's because they haven't spent the time with the material to get familiar with it and comfortable. Maybe it's more of a reflection on their ability to be a good instructor. You might be right. Um, whatever it might be, I, I think you know maybe if you do the hands on, it just becomes second nature, so it's easier to be good at instructing. But I do think you're right. There are there are guys who have never done it who are amazing instructors for sure. Yeah. It's it's not that you have to have one without the other or whatnot. I just I think it might make you more naturally good at it potentially it, the, the subject matter processing definitely I, and i think if you've done it if you've been working on the vehicle that you're talking about like taking a class from justin morgan mm-hmm. is a different experience than taking a class from a bmw instructor that's never worked on a bmw true, right true never touch that model it, it's a different experience it right? is no it is no, no, but he's he worked not, on that car like, he's worked on it but he's working on it with the intent of turning it into a class Justin worked. He's not a tech. Justin was a tech. I get that he was a tech, <laughs> but he's not a tech now. I'm, I'm so sure. his, his him working on the vehicle is with the intent yes, of I, I see what you're saying. And so different goal, sure. Different goal. Yeah, as opposed to I've got a really great tech that knows lab scopes really well, but put him into an environment where hey, I need you to teach this. He knows it extremely well. He does it every single day, but he may not be able to teach it effectively. And still at the end of the day, though, if you, if you take to heart what Dirk is saying, it's going to have to change the way that the classes are structured. It can't be case studies. No, you're right. It's not that the case studies don't have value, but I think you hit, so you hit the nail on the head. And if you haven't watched the training that I did, so I did the 30 minute tech talk segment at vision, but I also did an expanded longer version of that, that I broadcast on Facebook and YouTube. And my class was much more exactly as Dirk described how to think not, we're not talking about just solving the problem, nuts and bolts. Hey, this is the car. This is the case study. We're going to walk through all the steps and then give you the answer. No, my class was much more about logic and process and th- how you think about a problem and how you look at things. And that's really, he's, Dirk is right. Because if you teach people more about the how to think instead of what to think, it's much more practical because then, like he said, you can approach a problem and you can solve it. You don't need the nuts and the bolts and the specific, I have to know exactly what this voltage spec is or whatever. And I find that one of the things for me that I've learned more over time, the more I've done mobile stuff is, I work on every different brand vehicle. I don't say no. And I do it mostly because I'm trying to use this as a means to make myself smarter in a way that I can teach other people how to see it that way. Hey, it's just another car. Hey, it's, you know, just another system that's similar to this other system. More about seeing things the same way across brands. Sure, they have their nitpicky details and whatever, but the more you can process it internally that way, I think the easier it becomes and the less scared guys are to make judgment calls, um, look at a problem and be able to go, okay, well, I looked at all four injectors and the waveform on this one is this. Okay, well, that tells us there's a problem. Do you have to know the exact details of what that waveform really right. means? No, you don't. It's just another piece of information. Is it cool to know that? Sure. It's great. 
I mean, if you can read a waveform with that level of detail, that's super cool. But does it really affect how much you can fix the car at the end of the day? Debatable. Very debatable. Absolutely. You're, and you're teaching it from a very pragmatic standpoint. 100%. That's definitely and, how and I, am. I I'm I'm with you 100%. In my opinion, though, what Dirk was saying is that it's it's more important for you to know what a wave pattern is supposed to look like in theory than necessarily the steps that I think they're they're parallel but they're different I think it's important to know that no I think I know, know what you're trying to like. say there's just one that happens to look different right therefore we can I get that but I'm saying like what he's saying is it's important that that you know the design aspect of it how is this supposed to work where are you supposed to have voltage and where you were saying like the exact voltage yeah, you got to know that that is supposed to be 2.1 ohms and nothing more or less. You have to know that piece of information because if it's more or less, that thing's going to catch on fire or it's a fire hazard. Oh, for EVs, you, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, you, and that's that's what he was talking sure, about. Sure, no, and he's he, right on He's EV. like, you have to have this information, this exact information for you to be able to, to diagnose it but do it safely. Where before it was like, I don't need to know that's 2.1. I just got to know that it's different from all the other ones. That's what makes it scarier, though, to me, is the EV and the BEVs. They're much more, you know, hybrid electric as well as full electric vehicles. That's what makes them more scary as a whole. We've got a large field of technicians who cannot, they can't diagnose cars in many respects right now, even when the OEM does provide some specifications. And now we're talking about where they need to have the level of specification, like you said. I mean, literally, one milliohm. That is an incredibly low tolerance. That is an incredibly specific measurement. Many of the shops don't have those tools. The technicians already struggle with electricity as a whole at a level that's very problematic. And now we've got cars where it's life or death if you screw up on electronics. I mean... Yeah, that's that's or the shop gets burnt to the ground, right? Or the shop gets burnt to you the know. ground, or you why, know. Why do you think that is? Why why do you think there's such a mysticism around electronics? Did you did you see the the survey in uh, I think it was Motor Age magazine? They had like fifty copies upstairs, but they did a, a huge survey, of a whole bunch of different shops, and the number one the number one training opportunity that every shop identified. It was like 79% of shops said electrical work. That's crazy. I would it agree. Wouldn't, I, it wouldn't even, really? I, it wouldn't be EVs? Well, I mean, but that's part of, that's part of electrical, really. I mean, it's, it's almost like, hey, it's, it, one flows from the other. If you don't understand ohms but it's and a, current and I, I get that, volts. but it, you're talking a completely different propulsion system. True. It's not no one engine, no all the engines, or no how turbochargers are supercharged. Like... You're talking about a completely different propulsion system. And so, it, yeah, you need to know electrical systems, but you still you, you need to know it in a different way necessarily than than traditional 12-volt direct current systems. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. You can have a tenth of a volt drop on an internal combustion car. And it's not a problem. And I'm suspecting that if we have something of that nature on an electric vehicle – that could be a huge problem. Well, I mean, you were just, just talking about the right? milliohms. Yeah, that's that's like, like you think about that. That's one tenth of an one one. Well, that's wait that, one one hundredth of an ohm. And you're talking about the insulation test, yeah, right? Yes. 
The ability to test the insulation. Yes. But so, you're, you're talking about a, a standard that's so exact that you have to have a special tool to measure yes. it. A very expensive before, special like, tool. I mean, like resistance was used sparingly on a normal yeah. vehicle. Like yes. you just don't need to do a resistance test very often. No. Where now you need to have a special tool just to measure this one thing and it has to be exact. And so the, the and if it's not, it's literally burn the car to the ground. Yeah. And so <laughs> the, the, the notion, the idea that, Oh, well, my guys need help with electrical. It's like, whoa, what have they been doing for the last 25 years? Well, you see what I'm saying? Like, I do, I do. Why would 70 plus percent of shops think that, hey, something that I should have known 25 years ago <laughs> is the well, biggest training opportunity it, now? It depends on who answered the survey. True. Right? True. You, you could have an owner answering a survey who's completely disconnected from the shop. Possible. You think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they, they don't know enough technical data to understand what it is they're talking about. But at right? the same time, though, I, I, I get you. I'll concede that point. But, but if in, in, from a business standpoint, they're seeing their guys unable to diagnose XYZ and they're, they're, they're out, they're out there. It's like, Hey, why can't you diagnose this quickly, effectively and efficiently? And their first reaction is like, oh, it's electrical work. I'm just not good with electrical. No, but see, here's the thing. Let's think about this for a minute. If, if we pull it out, there's a whiteboard over here. We could just pull it out and start writing <laughs> down. We could make a list, right? And and if you think about it, what are the reasons that they wouldn't? A, there's a natural innate ability to do electrical work, right? Like, And, and I was talking to the electrician wire in the shop the other day. And he said, I can look at that circuit and I can understand what how it's going to work. I've been doing it my whole life. I understand it. I know where the transformers are. I know what the transformer does. I've got it. Right? And I understand it. And even though I understand DC, you don't want me working on that kind of AC, right? Like, that's how you have a shop burned down. Um, I mean, I, I understand enough to, to fix something if I have to fix something. But my point is you don't want me wiring three sure. phase into yeah. my shop and trying to get it to single phase and yeah. you know, whatever. Um, so I think there's, it starts with natural innate ability, right? There's the other side of that coin, which is we've got the wrong technician doing the wrong job, right? So you, you've got technicians who they've got in here that are, are probably outside their wheelhouse. They can't find somebody else. They've gone, they've hired the cheapest or whatever they can find, right? They can't find anybody else. So they just hired somebody. So now they're, they're not doing electrical work. The, the shop owner can be combining electrical work with powertrain diag. Right. So he says, well, electrical, I've got all these electrical problems. And he says, well, plug in the scan tool up. That's an electrical problem. Right. I mean, hey, listen, there's shop owner. I've, I've had it happen in my town. And then the, the interesting one is this. And I, this happened a couple of times. I've talked to some techs and, and dug through this because I saw them say it in a group where they were telling owners, I'm not good with electrical work. But it wasn't that they weren't good with electrical work. It was that the owner was putting 0.5 on a ticket. And then it was an oh, argument. Also, they just don't want to do it. <laughs> it was a fight to get additional time. And sure. And they didn't want to. Not right? going to so sell it correctly. The point is, is there's hundreds of reasons. They've been de-incentivized to learn it because Absolutely. of that. Right. No, and you're, and you're right on. I mean, I, 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 I think working that's at many the, shops. I think yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I completely reject the natural innate ability thing. <laughs> I completely reject it. I think that's absurd. I There's... There's almost nothing that we've learned that is natural and innate. I think anybody can 
almost anybody I, can, no, can no, 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 no. push I, themselves to learn. Yes, yes. I agree with that 110%. But I also believe that um, I'm going to bring it up again, Sir Ken Robinson. Right? Who's that? I don't know what you're saying. The changing <laughs> er, uh, changing of education paradigms. He just died the other day. I don't know if you know that. And yeah, you told me that. But if the, where it, it, it exactly follows into what he was saying, I understand that you don't want to learn electrical because it doesn't excite you. Not that you can't. Exactly. That, that's, that's what the point I was getting yeah. ready to make was, is that there's some people who are better suited because they can learn that easier. So why are they enjoy- into, why are they in this industry then? Well, because it's like, I mean, you, you want to bang many- away at a hammer and beat that ball joint out of the car. Right. That's why you're in this industry. That ball joint. Yeah. is going to need to be pressed out. You know, for how forever. Many, but yes. do you know how many people I have interviewed in my shop? That literally came in and said, oh, I, I just thought this was one of those easy jobs. I just thought anybody could do it. Right? I've, I've interviewed a couple people. I'm like, you know, clearly, you've seen my, my hiring ads. Yeah. How much does that have to do with the industry as a whole, though? How the talent recruitment and the way that, well, parents as well as our society as a whole has discouraged the value of the trades for so long. There hasn't been. So I think it's some of it has to do with our educational system. We don't do you know, for years, I know certainly in my experience, there was never like, hey, there was a kid in school that was really good at something. And then they went, oh, well, maybe if it was math or science, yes, you got put in additional math and science classes or whatever. But if there was someone with a mechanical aptitude, they didn't go, hey, you're going to go to shop class and woodworking class because you have an aptitude because you're good. There wasn't the same level of getting behind them and encouraging them and fostering it and things like that. And maybe that's a failing on the parents. Maybe it's a failing on the educational system, maybe all of those things. But I think when you don't when you don't find something where someone has an interest, because passion, for sure, if you have passion, you will be better at something, for sure. I agree. And I agree. if we don't recognize that and identify that and then foster and push it and, and back it up, people aren't going to end up in the places where they want, right? You want the best guy to make your cheeseburger at the restaurant. You want the best person at your shop to fix your car. You want the best doctor you can get to, to diagnose what's wrong with your body, right? You want the best person for every single job recognizing talent and and motivation and and desire and interest that's just going to put people where they want to be anyway and get better quality people at every position i i concur i i will say this though right so i think you got to look at the source of of all of the naysayers when it comes to our industry, right? Would you agree? You would have, if if we're going to look at a car and we're going to say, this is what's wrong with the car. I have to have data. And with that data, I have to deduce or I have to, to determine what the cause is. Right. And it would be the same as looking at a map sensor. That's reading Barrow with the key on and the engine running, as opposed to looking at, you know, a parent who's over here, who's in the field saying, Oh, I wouldn't do that. Right. Yes. Or someone who's been in the field or a family member who's been in the field. Or is it that someone from outside looking in saying, oh, I wouldn't do that. And it's difficult to obtain that data. Does that make sense? In other words, like if and and how many technicians have we talked to that say, I told my children not to try and do this. Right. I don't want them going into this field. I would never tell them that. I've seen them say about shop owners say it. Right, I would never let my child do this. This is miserable. Why would I want them to do that? And it's painful it, to hear that. Honestly, it, it is. really is. You know, so, it's, it reflects poorly on our industry as a whole. So you got to think about that. Why is that? 
right? What What's the re- – and, and there's – there again, just like we talked just a minute ago, there's lots of reasons for it. There's lots of factors that play into it, but I think we have to begin to deduce just like we would on a diag. We need to really start thinking about this a little bit and understanding why, right? Because it's very common. You look at Jeff Compton. Jeff is as jaded as all get out, right? What are you talking about? Ball <laughs> of sunshine. You know who I blame? Who? Mike Allen and flat rate. Do you know why? I, I blame him too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he just said it, we've disincentivized doing electrical work, doing diagnostic work because it hasn't been sold properly to the public. So they don't see any value in it because it's, you know, mystical and you're not really actually replacing any parts. You don't deal with the Carmex warranty companies anymore, but for a while they wouldn't let you flash. They wouldn't pay for a flash. There's a, I know. So there's a TSB, that fixes a specific that issue. That fixes a specific issue on the car. And, you know, hey, it's 150 bucks. I got to flash this car. There's literally a bulletin on it. And, and for now, they just changed that. That's good. But they said for us to reimburse you, we need to see all the receipts. As opposed to, they don't even ask receipts for ball joints. Like, I got to throw a ball joint. And they say, okay, throw the ball joint on there. They don't care. Because there's a brand new part on there. There's something tangible there. It's not the same thing as doing diagnostic work. So we've now disincentivized technicians from doing exclusively or a majority of their work in electrical and diagnostics because it doesn't pay as well as doing ball joint work. So what do you think they're going to teach kids going into technical school? They're going into the high school program, in the college, whatever. I'm going to teach you how to put a ball joint in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you how to do tires. I'm going to teach you how to do like the the hard bang at, away at it stuff and not necessarily how to read a lab scope. Because if you try to go out there and say, I, I, hey, I, I don't know how to do that ball joint, but man, you know, I can read a wave pattern all day long. They'll get laughed nobody's out of the gonna, room. Nobody's yeah. going to hire they them. They won't be hired. Yeah. Well, and it, and there's no, there is, there's no, I don't think you can scale with the business model that, that, that Mike Allen runs, I don't think you can scale the business the way he has and be as wildly successful as he's been. If, if he pushed diagnostic work and incentivized diagnostic work and electrical work the same way he does as being really fast and efficient doing gaskets and suspension. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so monetarily, there's no, in, there's no reason he's like, wow. Exactly. We're going to make any money. Like, well, there's a reason why the big, the big chains and whatever don't care about hiring a diagnostician and why they got rid of Identifix. Now, you say whatever you want about Identifix, but you get the point. They got rid of it because they don't want to do diagnostics. Yeah, they want to well, stay yeah, away from it. They'll throw the part at it. It yep. doesn't fix it. Sorry, we couldn't fix it. Ship it down. Well, yeah, ship it down the road. How, how exactly. many months have I been saying that, right? And, and what, what is the percentage of actual diag work? And how many owners... And how many techs do we talk to that say, I can fix things that nobody else can fix? No, you can fix things that nobody else will fix, right? <laughs> There's a difference. They didn't think they could make any money fixing it, so they didn't even try. They said, you know what? I'm not going to mess but with But maybe that. they needed to. I'm, I don't doubt that. Because now we're like, we're at these crossroads now where all of the money has been made doing grunt work, doing B tech work. Mm-hmm. And now we don't have any A-techs. Right? 
I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, I'll be honest with you. That's that's the chief concern that I saw in my last few months at Garage Gurus is walking into shops where there there are no ATEX. There's nobody who can diagnose a car. I walk in there and they're like, yeah, we can do all this, this, and this. And then they ask me a question about something really simple electrically, you know, or or drivability. And I'm I'm just kind of scratching my head going, you guys couldn't couldn't solve this one? Yeah. Like, I'm just like mystified yeah like really well david hit it on the head earlier when he said foundational so i like that term there's been too much people saying the word fundamentals especially when it comes to electrical classes a lot of them are labeled fundamentals i prefer the word foundational for one reason if you get a good strong foundation you can build from there and you can make a better skill set right if you (laughs) have a crappy foundation you're never going to get better and you're never going to master whatever it is you're trying to do so one thing that he said about the the different thresholds for different things like voltages and whatever else. Right. That's foundational knowledge, and you Absolutely. cannot underestimate that enough or overestimate that enough, the value of that. It's it's tremendous. But I think that was a good point, talking about the foundational stuff. And you ask yourself, though, where are the next generation of techs going to get that foundational knowledge on anything electrical if all the guys that are out there still that are still swinging wrenches are bad at it? And I'm not, I'm not saying they're all bad at it, but... I'll be honest. The, too, too a lot of, of them, them are. Too many of them are. And all. And uh, I'm not trying to pick on Mike Allen. He's a nice guy. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like, I'm going off of what Cody Gaddy said. You remember his podcast? Mm-hmm. I could make more money slinging suspension parts. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Than, than I could as a diagnostician, because that's where the money was. That's where the value. Every everything was geared towards. Slapping in brakes, suspension, well, and, and gaskets. So, so coming back full circle to your question about, you know, why, why do they all say they need help with electrical? Let's think about this for a minute. What do they say? If you ask them, well, I'm not sure my guys were, were smart enough. I, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned they were taking too long. So they didn't end up charging the consumer. Right. They didn't charge the consumer. So they think the tech's not good because he's taking too long. They want him yeah. to be faster. They don't understand that sometimes. They were dis- in, Cody's, in Cody's case, they were discounting the tickets. Oh, yeah. They yeah. were paying him for three They hours. literally discount the diagnostics. And they would take two hours yeah, off I, to oh, the yeah. customer. I think that's more, that think that's more common in change stores, right? I think that's more common in change stores. I've seen a lot he's of. Doing the majority of the cars. Well, I know. I'm, <laughs> those 10,000 Goodyear service centers. That right, exactly. About earlier. Yeah, it's, it's true. Oh, we didn't ever talk about that. Oh, we all want to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a, it was a, what, what, like a bake, uh, clickbait. No. Oh, I know. And then never <laughs> say <before>. anything. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't know. I, I just, I guess what I'm saying is, is that, that maybe, that's part of it, right? The independent's not ever doing any any actual testing. They feel like their guy doesn't know enough. And and the reason they potentially feel that way is because the chain store wasn't charging to do it. So they feel like, well, if they're doing it for $35, gosh, I better do it for $35. 100%. Right? And so, you know, and, and, and who knows? I'm not even positive that leadership in the chain store would know that it happened, Right. Like maybe at the base level, they didn't, the change they story. didn't know because they went back to him and they said, you're not generating enough revenue. Right. And he's like, you're discounting 30, 66% of my ticket. Yeah. Of course I'm not generating any revenue. <laughs> yeah. Right. And ironically, and like, because oh. labor is generally a higher GP than yeah. parts. So seems kind of ironic to me. Yeah. But that you people- have, you have to 
you have to charge extra to overcome the GP that you lost in, in your part. Sure, and I'm not disagreeing. I just, you know, I find it fascinating to me that shops haven't been able to find the value in that in selling diagnostic work, you know? Well, they, I think they see the value and that they can't translate the value. They can't communicate it's, the value. It's, it is easier not to. No, I oh, you're right. Yeah. it beautifully. It's <laughs> the customer's not understanding. I had a, I had a customer, it, it didn't turn into a bad review, but the, my, my auto shop follow up people caught it. It was a customer that was upset that we, the customer comes in with a complaint that he had lost throttle and he had an ABS light on. Okay. And the throttle input problem was a, a bad map sensor. That was a Jeep. And the ABS problem was, uh, we could not find. We tested the sensor. The oh, sensor was reading this. beautifully. Everything, you know, like everything was perfect. The guy lost it. He's like, well, I shouldn't have to pay for that. It's like, well, we, we ran the test. Like, I didn't run the test for free. So he's not going to eat it. You want the owner to eat it, I guess. And he's like, well, you didn't find a problem. It's like, I understand it. We didn't find the problem now. There is a problem. It's just intermittent. When we told him follow-up testing would be a no charge. That's what we told him. But he didn't want to pay. He's like, well, you found the problem with the map sensor. Uh, I just, I don't think I should pay for Two different tests. That was the first thing I was upset about. We were charging them a test for the ABS sensor and we were charging them a test for the map sensor or at least the throttle input problem. Two different charges. He's like, I, I don't, there's just one diagnostic. I go down to the dealer and they're going to charge me one diagnostic fee. I, I was sharing a story with Seth Thorson. You know what he said? He said, he, you, Who's the, Seth Thorson? Yeah, he said, You should, <laughs> probably, should probably hire a shop uh, marketing company that would help you get better clients. He did. <laughs> you, you told me that. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> uh, and, the, and this guy, this guy has had, had been an issue in the past. He never liked any of my prices. And he had a different vehicle and he bought this in there. But he, he, what he did was he talked to his friends and his, and his friends all had gone to the dealership. What does sure. the dealership do? They charge one, fee. one yeah, yeah, one fee and they give the, the tech an hour. And if the tech finds it, doesn't find it, suggests parts, doesn't suggest, he doesn't know. What is he going off of? Pattern failures. He's looking at the pattern failures and saying 90% of the time the map sensor fixes it. So I'm going to throw a map sensor on it and that's what they're going to charge on. And then the, they would have sold the guy an ABS sensor for the, even though we didn't catch the problem, he would have sold them. Yeah, they would have had no sense. data to back up that. Right, and they would have but yeah. they still would have no sold justification for it. And yeah. the yeah. next fix, and the next fix. And every and single time they would have, they would have justified it in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and 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 it's bad that we're getting to the point that we have to disclaim that when we're talking to a client. Like, hey, other shops will do this. Now, clearly, there's I explained there's a lot of really good shops, but there are some facilities who do things in a very. Do you think shops that are listening to this podcast do that? Generally, I don't think so. I, I think we've got pretty good listeners. I mean, I hope not. Or maybe they're in the All transition of learning not to do that. Maybe in the transition. But I wonder why. Like, you know who I blame? I blame our listeners. They're not sharing <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> they're not twisting arms and making sure people share this. <laughs> I, you know, here, here's the deal. I, I think at the end of the day, and, and we've, we've caught flack for always talking about the problems over and over and over. We're again. trying to find the solution, though. Right. Well, like I mean, we're, we're discussing, we're extrapolating out the problem to eventually come to some kind of you, answer. And we, you can't always look at things in this really altruistic way and think that things get better. Right? Like, you've got to discuss the problems. You've got to flush the problems out. This is a common problem. 
right? Like this if, is the problem because if you go out there and listen to all these sessions, that's what they're talking about. Yeah, for sure. It all circles around the same thing. I mean, it it does. And 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 here, here's the next thought is that so I, we talked about this the other day. I mean, you talked about this the other day. You come into this hotel and you can tell they're running on reduced staff, right? They're not fully staffed. It takes a little bit longer and things happen. I think me and you were talking about McDonald's, the fact that McDonald's doesn't have to be fully staffed anymore. They make just as much money in the drive-thru. <laughs> they don't care. It, they opened up a mess of Whataburgers in Kansas City. Whataburger, are you familiar? They're from Texas. Yeah, I've heard of them, yeah. Okay. They opened a whole mess of them in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And they have like three people working in each one. So that you go online and the the discussion is, I waited an hour in the drive-thru to get my food. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. An hour a mm-hmm. in a drive-thru. Who would wait that long? I know. But you're stuck. You <laughs> I can't drove go off. forward. You can't go back. Oh, yeah. If they got you the curbs yeah, on Yeah, the both curbs. Side. You're trapped inside there. That's like, why you need you a truck. <laughs> yeah, just drive over. Drive over the curb. Who cares? So, <laughs> I mean, are, are they shooting themselves in the foot or are people just going to put up with it? I, that, that's what I was getting ready to say, is that I think people are just putting up with it. I think they are accustomed to this now. It's the new normal. It's the new acceptable. Tolerance so, of garbage. Right. Well, I mean, well, but, but still, yeah, though, what if instead of tolerance of garbage, we use this shift in our society as a whole? Because I don't think it's going away. I, 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 the shortages, the, the company's not hiring people back and they have signs up. I, that's why I bring up McDonald's. Is our local McDonald's is running very short staffed and they've not reopened their waiting room, right? And so, what oh, did, still? Yeah. Wow. So, what do they say? What? They say, we're hiring, we're hiring, but you go in and fill out applications, nobody's ever getting a job, right? Because <laughs> they've put up, they're going to pay all this, nobody. And like, there was a thread in one of the local Facebook groups where people were it talking. Was a, it was a, a ploy, a guy's, a, and We're hiring. There's and nobody out there wanting no smoke and mirrors. <gasps> yeah. So I've so, never thought of doing that. That is evil. Right? <laughs> well, that's good. You haven't thought of that. <laughs> so you see what I'm saying, though? Well, evil genius. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Nobody wants to work. What are you talking about? You have 800 applications. But if you don't call any of them back, I mean, yeah. God, you know. So no, they don't seem I to want to work. <laughs> so they make just as much money. But I mean, I, I'm really starting to wonder if some of these corporations, they had a full staff before and they they reduced staff for COVID. Everybody did it all at the same time and they realized because that, of COVID. Right. So they realized that, hey, my net profits went up. I, I had a reduced cost. I can tell you that, yes, that's factual. Um, so having worked for several large corporate organizations, there have been... I won't, again, I won't say specific names, but there were companies that I've worked for where they lost someone that was like, you needed the staff. You were busy enough. You needed the staff no matter what. And we would lose a staff member and they would not rehire them. And they, and they'd always, and it always seemed to be like timed with the fiscal calendar in a very specific way where it was like, oh yeah, you know, we, we were just waiting on approvals or whatever. And it would go on and on and on. Um, one of the positions that I had previously, it took them two years to fill this position. It was empty for two whole years. And it's a position they deem essential, but it was empty for two years. And most of the people I talked to that had been at the company for a long time said, oh, yeah, they do that all the time. They'll post the ad. They'll take a bunch of applicants, but they won't hire anybody. And they'll leave it like that because then it looks better on the books and they save some money. And they're literally manipulating and juking things like that where it sounds like 
you know, to, to the average person, we're like, what the hell are you doing? You need the staff. The demand is there, but they're looking at it as a cost-cutting exercise to keep right. that staff from being hired, exactly. which is ridiculous so, because the customer experience suffers, right? Right. And, and so is it not the time right now to begin to turn this around a little bit for our industry? There's an open window. And I'm please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying go treat people poorly or overcharge them, or, or not provide them a good service. I'm just saying, is it not time, while this is happening, prices are going up, things are happening. People are being reconditioned already. Exactly. So this might be the time. Yeah. Mr. Client, here's why we do things this way. This is the... Wouldn't the opportunity be to then hire anybody and then train them up to... Because if, you know, you're... I told you about the shop down the street that was closing the doors because they couldn't mm-hmm. keep yeah. staff. And wasn't it, didn't she have like a really old shop? She had been there a the long sh- time. Yeah, 60 years. And, and turns out I, I didn't get in there early enough. So there's a, another shop owner. He ended up buying the whole that thing. That sucks. He bought the whole business and everything. Again, that competitive nature. Super, super, <laughs> nice, guy. super nice guy. Very ambitious. Uh, he's very Is his much, name Jay, huh? What's that? No, no. This is the, this is this is Seth. Oh, Thorson. it's Mike Allen. No, this is Seth Thorson <laughs> level of ambition. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that, this that's is that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, Jha. No, 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 no. Um. So th- this guy, this guy bought a shop. He ended up opening up a key business, mobile key business, um, with a similar name and this, that, and the other. Now he bought this other. So now he has two locations. Um. And he's keeping the name, which I didn't think was a good idea, but whatever. And um, he's moving all his uh, Asian domestic work to this shop here. It's a beautiful shop, mm. uh, or it's a it's not beautiful, but it's a it's a hefty building, and it's a lot of got a lot of space. Um, so he could do EVs, is what you're saying? <laughs> not not out of there. He, I know. He could just... do he could do EVs out of his original location. Mm. But he can go in there and you hire in a whole mess of people and at least develop a system where you can start pumping people through the system and just make it up on, on pricing and, yeah. and say, all I need is three or four key people and I can bring in five or six lesser techs and assign somebody to them to just start pumping out more work, but set it up in a fashion where I, I know I can develop three or four or five good people and be, take because, longer, have lower quality for a time, but then it, it well, the, comes full the, the, the time and quality is already there. That's my point. The people are already paying a higher price for lesser, for yes, lesser quality. That's, you, true. that's what you were saying. Yeah. So it's let, it's worse service. It takes longer to get the part. The quality is not there because everybody's rushing because you're understaffed. Well, the only thing is you theoretically you have to take a hit on your margins yep. to a certain degree because you, like you're saying you can jack the price up but why not just take the margin hit and prepare yourself to completely pivot against the competition and sure. say I'm the only it's an investment. I say this all the time I'm yeah, the only fully staffed shop in the area right they're like oh you can get me in tomorrow it's like yeah I'm oh by the way I'm the only fully staffed shop in the area that's why <laughs> um it's true i'm telling you well, you go to all like 55 shops that are within a half mile of me if, if, and i'm the only one fully staffed if i'm this, the only one if this isn't our pivot then our pivot has to be adas 
or it has to be. I don't know what you just said. What gibberish was that? <laughs> 80, 80, uh, I did it just to mess with you. <laughs> just to You see. need a bang, dude. Why? Do I look tired or something? Oh, you look sleepy. <laughs> this whole time change thing sucks, dude. Kicking it, your butt, I'm, huh? I'm, listen, that's not what it is. It is. My contact is like is it popping really? out. Yeah. Um, so, look, ADOS or EV is going to be the change. Right, like I think EV is really, really yeah, the crux I, I of it. I think so. Because so for ADOS, I've seen there's been a, a handful of shop owners in various markets that are really jumping on it and seizing the business. Um, there's an owner out of Fargo, North Dakota, who owns five shops. There's um, a movie about that town. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he uh, so he works for Transformers Institute as a coach. Also, if you've heard of them, um, but he owns five shops up there, and he founded a an ADOS center up in Fargo. And I kind of thought to myself, really Fargo? It's not like a, I mean, it's a good sized city now, but it's not like, you know, a major metro area like Atlanta Mm -hmm. or Minneapolis or something like that. And I had wondered, you know, is that going to actually pay off? He said they were doing like, like 50 calibrations a week, like right out of the gate, literally within a couple of months of being open. Whoa. Yeah. What's his name? Matt Lachowitzer. I could be pronouncing his name. Yeah, I could be pronouncing his he last name the, correctly. He was the uh, he was the ratchet wrench. Uh, yeah, I, been on that. I swear, I s- I will lose my ever flipping mind if I reach out to him. I'm like, how did you capture fifty calibrations a week? Well, so that he quickly. does. So he does and the he's work. Gonna, he's gonna. I just told people we were doing them, and everybody just showed up. I'm gonna lose my mind. Lose my mark. <laughs> well, let's put it this way: He's a very smart businessman. I, I had an opportunity to interact with him when I was working for Garage Gurus, and he's a very smart businessman. He's got you know good strategy and whatnot, but he also is doing you know he's doing the calibrations for the dealers in the area when they're working on a model that isn't their own brand. So he's smart. He went to the right places. He got secured business right out of the gate. He found and he the built business relationships. right, and he built relationships. Yeah. Oh, and that sounds like I'm gonna have to talk to people. You would, yes, yeah, you'd have to do that. But but it's it's obviously paying off. I talked to a, a company. You know, his head started swaying when you said that. <laughs> I bought an ADOS machine. Oh, you did? Okay. I rented a space oh, just to do ADOS calculations. And uh, and the whole time I'm talking about it, and I'm going. I just got to go out there and, and tell people. <laughs> I mean, they're like, oh, have you made any sales calls? He's socially anxious. Can you imagine this dude socially anxious? I used to have to make sales calls at the parts store. Well, yeah, of course you did if you worked at a parts store. Is that what broke you? To 20 is, to 25. No, no. What broke me was the, the – he's a shop owner now. My my district manager, he broke me. <laughs> oh, he went to be a, become a shop owner, huh? That's funny. Yeah, he got the hell out of the parts game. It was uh, it's a tough business. No, it is. It is with the business model that they're pushing. Oh, for sure. So we've at least got to talk about the tires. The tires uh, is really is it that important? Well, we can't just leave everybody hanging, wondering. You don't want to finish your <sighs> Good EV year. EV What's thought <laughs> about pressing the industry. Well, I mean, obviously we we know that's what's going to happen. Right, like the, not, the, not a, with the guy that was that just commented on on the Facebook post. He goes, "It's going to be thirty percent of production by twenty twenty eight, not necessarily sales, and definitely not registrations." And he's one on smart cookie. I, I get it, but if, if that's the case, then EV is going to barely be a a dent. And, and remember what remember what Seth and you and I talked about at Apex. And no. SEMA, remember what Seth said? He I said, you know. all that out. <laughs> Poor Seth. I feel so bad for him and the way you <laughs> treat him. 
I mean, and you two are so much alike. I don't, I don't say two words to the guy. Uh, so Seth brought up the fact that that as the political and economic climate changes, yes, we're going to see a rate increase or decrease. One hundred percent, he's correct of implementation of EV in one hundred percent. And and I think that other countries were probably going to see EV implementation a little bit quicker. There's a lot of people who say Europe that, for sure. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of people saying that the the power grid. Can't handle it here. I've watched. I don't a ton- know who has said that. That's insane. It's not true. It's not true. Really? No. It's not. I don't know. No, I, I don't even. I can't true. speak knowledgeably about that there, in any way. Right. Well, and, and I, I couldn't either. But there's. Uh, you but if watch- you listen to the people that speak on it knowledgeably, they will tell you that our infrastructure, in especially in certain very specific parts of the country, I don't know about California, but in very specific parts of the country is not even at like 20% of their capacity. Oh, like, really? We okay. can yeah. ramp up. What happened in Texas, you talk to the, you listen to the people talking about what happened in Texas. Yep. They will tell you this was just a timing issue, not an infrastructure, not a capacity yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. Yep. We didn't have a capacity issue. We don't there. have a capacity issue. We don't have an infrastructure problem either. We had a bad timing issue. Yeah. The weather hit just as we were ramping down production. That's all it was. And we couldn't get it back online fast enough because of what we were doing yeah. during the season that we sure. were doing it in. And if, if you'll remind me, there, there's a video by Engineering Explained. Oh, I like um, their videos. And so he, he goes over every shot. dude. <laughs> you don't like him. <laughs> I like him. We should have him on the podcast. You should have him on the podcast. Yeah. Why, what is with you people? Like, I, <laughs> Look, I, I appreciate every single one of our, our five to six listeners that listen to our podcast every single week. And, and at least four of them were, will email me and say, hey, you should have this ridiculously popular, super prominent YouTuber on your podcast. And then and I'm like, sure, you make that happen. I yeah, will right. have that sucker on so fast. Well, didn't you guys have Humble Mechanic on yet or no? No, no. He's in North Carolina, though. Well, I was going to say, so get him on. And he's friends with Engineering Explained guys. Again, so. right. The, right. he just did it live See? on the podcast there you go. right here. I'm going to connect the dots. just have the Humble Mechanic on. Come on. You can get him on. just have. Humble Mechanic will do it, I bet you. So there's, a, the, there's another video, and it's the dude. I you know what they do? They see the message pop up because he is an extrovert. He won't reach out to anybody. Oh, yeah, he won't. hurt my feelings a bit. Blah. Hey, he does the same thing I do. He just he goes, yeah, I'm just going to talk to that person Blah. and see what happens. Blah. Like, he probably gets 8,000 messages like, yeah, you should do my podcast with my seven listeners. Why would he? He's not on time or the, there's, no, there's no benefit. Now, I will say that, but the guy from Active Self-Protection, that guy – Huge podcast, huge YouTube channel. We had that guy on. And Crosstalk, same thing. And both of those were killer episodes. Very good episodes. Very good. And, long and we both But that was the other thing, too. Like, we've been going like an hour and a half here. And the the guy from Active Self-Protection, we could have probably done two hours with him. Yeah, and we're, we're supposed to set up and do another one. He, Dude, he was super intelligent. He, I really like talking to him. Really yeah, smart he knew guy. He his stuff. Really smart guy. I don't think I've heard that episode. I'll have to go look at it. Um. And and hurt my feelings. <laughs> so there's a there is a another video, and I sent it to David, and it's part of where that last rant came from. Um, but it it was a guy who frequently testifies in front of Congress, and he talks about the infrastructure and EV implementation and energy problems and what's coming our way. 
Very, very smart guy. Very intelligent guy. Dude, he shares some high-level, very interesting stuff. We have no capacity problems. We can charge way more EVs than we're charging right now. And everybody's like, oh, you're going to have to put charges in. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have... I think we've got a range problem with EVs. I don't doubt I would agree. that. Yes. You know, especially for me, you know, for me, it's it's an hour and a half, two hours to the airport, right? So if I'm going to buy a Tesla and I want to drive it to the airport, I damn well better have somewhere to plug it up. <laughs> Or I'm going to have a hell of a time getting home. You know what I'm saying? that would be a bit of a challenge. And so I I understand that logic of it. But you look at San Diego, that's a whole different ballgame. Oh, sure. You look at Charlotte. You look at Detroit. You look at any of those cities. you got a whole lot more capability there. And, I mean, honestly, let's think about it. Don't you think that the EV is probably better suited for that atmosphere? More so than an internal combustion engine is anyway, yes. right? Yeah. That's sort of the problem is that the people that are going to be pushing these mandates have no concept of what it looks like to be in. Where are you from again? <laughs> I can't remember. Blowing, blowing rock? Blowing. blowing rock. Blower what? <laughs> Listen, blowhole. Um, so the Where, dude, What's boom? The, the dude goes to put my building up and he's like, Listen. The wind can't be blowing when I go to put these panels up. They're they're fifty foot long panels of metal, and I'm like, dude, you read the name of the town? What? Yeah, it's blowing rock. The wind doesn't ever stop here. <laughs> and this look of dismay like runs down his face, like, oh god, who are you texting? That's kind of disrespectful. My tech is trying to uh, download a radio update for a Jeep Wrangler. Hmm. Can we do that? Aftermarket wise, well, I mean, I thought they just said you could do that. <laughs> I guess it wasn't Chrysler talking, but I would think you would be able to. Just yeah, he, he says, seems like it. He says he can't seem to find where it is because the the SI just says go to Dealer Connect and mm. download the file. Oh, you guys have access to the dealer portal? No, I mean with Tech Authority and Wi-Fi. you have Tech Authority though. Yeah. Oh, you do. Oh man, it's. I would definitely think it'd be on there. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. Right? Yeah. Poor fellow's confused. He is. He's, I'm like, dude, there's got to be a way to get to get in there. Tell him to call Danden Brills. Danden Brills. <laughs> Tell him to call Danden Brills. Call Danden Brills. That mother effer. <laughs> Will know and not yell at you. And not yell at you. <laughs> That's key. Not yell at you. Yeah. Well, there's lots employer. of guys that we could call that will know, but most of them will yell at you. <laughs> hey, you want to Scundy? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> no, I, think I, I wasn't mentioning names. I was just saying there's <laughs> lots of people that will call <laughs> that you can call that know exactly what to do, and they will just yell at you for 45 minutes on the phone. <laughs> you will get just a stream of yelling. And not a single answer. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it does sound kind of familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> I've talked to a few people like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. kind of though. He told me about Connector C1010. He did. He told me. He's a smart cookie. He is. He knows. He knows a lot of things. He knows. Yep. About a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Don't you ever okay. wonder if people like that ever sleep? I know he doesn't. Look at Isaac. Yeah, Isaac, Isaac I don't sleep. think ever sleeps. No. Ever. His poor wife. I mean, <laughs> like, I promise one day she's going to kill him. I swear <laughs> to God. Like, I think she's waiting for insurance policies to mature or something. Like, because he's never home. <sighs> yeah, his, his life is hectic. Yeah. Definitely. I don't know how he does it. 
So you're seriously going to leave all the listeners hanging on the tire thing? <laughs> Forget the tire thing again. Okay. All right, We're so going to have, no, no, no. We're going to have connected tires that are connected to the flipping internet. And as you're driving, the tire will send a data stream of information up to the mothership. And the mothership will extract that information and try to sell you more stuff. It's very interesting. He keeps looking at the camera. And for some reason, I don't know what he's looking at. But here it's nothing. That, I, I do the video editing. I know exactly what I'm doing. Looking right at the camera. I'm looking right at the camera. <laughs> do you ask yourself... Maybe Goodyear can't figure out how to make a better tire, so that's why they're trying to do this. I told. Listen, listen. I'm, I'm not probably, trying to be mean, but I'm probably I've never been my, overly sold on their tires. I'm probably. It's gonna not get my, the quality of the tire because it's not that bad. It's the price that's not attached that bad, to the. Yeah. Well, you know, like no, they are a bit overpriced, which is why they've the, been pushing for the quality that you yes, get for the quality. You can get, get a yeah. just a good as good Korean tire for seventy percent less. Oh yeah. Well, that's not, why they not, sell Coopers now more because Cooper is a Goodyear. What Cooper's Goodyear happen now? I don't, when, About ninety-five percent sure the Cooper is owned by Goodyear. I, don't I thought think it was so. Cooper was Cooper. Nope, pretty sure they're owned by Goodyear. I've got to go look. Here, this yeah. is time to go jump on your phone now. Um, <laughs> Everybody's frantically googling this. Goodyear, told you. Oh, I win. <gasps> no way. Yep. Are you Which serious? And, and did you notice? So you remember when they had, you're going to like this, David. You remember when Goodyear now got in owns. trouble? When, oh. did, when did this happen? June 7th, 21. So, so do you remember when Goodyear got in trouble for all of their social media stuff for when they were telling people what to think and how to think the social justice stuff? Do you recall that? They got yes. in big trouble for that. Yeah. Oh, the, and did well, you notice was that it the, the slides that were, yes, yes. slides that and then were leaking. after that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I then after that. that, suspiciously, Goodyear started pushing the the Cooper tire really, really hard. After that, and making it like their blue collar, you see the guy that's doing the ads and whatever in the hat kind of looks a little like micro. They've been pushing Cooper tire, tires super hard. After that, Goodyear stuff blew up, and I'm betting that their tires went in terms of sales with a lot of people as a result of entering into the social media fray. And then they used Cooper as a brand to potentially bolster their sales because they went, oh, crap, we just stepped in a turd pile. We're in big trouble. Nobody, what are we going to do? No, I didn't know. Yeah, I, I put that together at one point. They tried to hide it. Yeah, well, what, they what, have well, tried to hide it, I think. Well, it, I, I, th- the fact that they own Cooper now, yeah. Well, I like I said, I... No idea. There's a lot of brands under Cooper. There's a lot of brands under Cooper. Oh, yeah. Yep. Interestingly enough, I was just telling David, every client I ever tried to sell a Goodyear years ago to, they came in and they said, no, I don't want a Goodyear. They're only good for a year. And I'm like, no, no, that's just the name. And they're like, no, I mean, I'm serious. I've had them. They're only good for a year. Yeah, they don't make their mileage warranties very often. No. And I'm not just saying that because I used to work for a BSRO company. (laughs) But, I mean, it's – they they don't make their mileage. That's the always been the chief concern. Traction, fine. Uh, quiet, sure. Like there's a reason why the SRA is the tire that you see on so many brand new vehicles. They're super quiet. But when you compare them in terms of traction or ride quality or whatever, right. I've never been overly impressed. I mean, that's the same thing with Michelin. Like Michelin's really expensive on their tires. Their ride quality is amazing, but I've never been impressed with the traction. I've always right. thought the traction was a major compromise on a lot of their tires. Agreed. And for me, it's like, well, you know, there's always different factors. But that goes into an interesting thought that I think was floated by a shop owner that I'm friends with, where he talked about a lot of the discussion of the the sales process or whatever you want to call it, the customer interaction with a shop. Mm -hmm. Some of it is 
can be framed as risk management. Um, talking to your customers about, you know, what, what is your risk tolerance? Hey, I can do this specific test and determine that there's a good chance that this is, this component's going to fail in yeah. a certain period of time. We could take care of that today if you would like to, or it's information for you to have wasn't at your disposal Denso? in the future. Wasn't that, wasn't that Denso doing that? I yes. wouldn't be surprised if someone MRI, else has talked about this. Vehicle MRI. Vehicle yeah. MRI. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's a, it's a good way to communicate with a customer. Just providing them information and letting them make the judgment call because yeah. everybody has different levels of risk tolerance, you know, and at the uh, end of the day, 75% of customers are going to go, I don't know what should I do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and hey, sure. at least maybe then there's an opportunity where you can build some trust by saying, if this was my car, this is the way I would look at it. What is that? Is that a <laughs> book? Huh? That was a book. What was? Whatever it is you had on the screen. What did you find? Peace of mind, digital evaluation, that's level just one, the right, routine. That's the check-in forms. That was just the check-in form. Holy moly. These are books. You want to see books? <laughs> These are books. Well, you go to your Amazon Kindle account? <laughs> no, yeah. it's, it's, it's the ROs. Oh. 18 oh. miles of notes. Oh, really? All right, turn this thing off. All right, let's do it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax-deductible. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to getshopware.com and see what I mean today. That's getshopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.